Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Welcome to the Wrestling Podcast, my friends. Welcome. Hope everybody's having a good day. Whatever day it is that you happen to be listening to this, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Uh, I'm Sam Roberts, and this is my wrestling podcast. I'm a wrestling fan, and we appreciate wrestling here. I appreciate you, the listeners. I'm sorry if you're listening to this as soon as it comes out. I'm sorry there was a little delay today. There's a, a technical issue uh, with one of the files. However, I'm going to make this especially good. I'm going to make this a great podcast today to make up for any tardiness that you may have had to deal with. We've got a lot. Of course, we'll have the state of wrestling I'm going to have a former member of WWE creative, Andrew Goldstein, come in and help me analyze the Royal Rumble match and uh, what was good about it and maybe what was not good. I don't know. Depends on what he thinks. And wait till you hear this. We're going to start the show the only way I know how to with a big, big guest. I got to talk to Charlotte after the Royal Rumble. I talked to her this week um, because I thought that was a huge Huge part of the Royal Rumble outside of the match was uh, the, not only the way the Becky Lynch-Charlotte match was treated as a big match with a story and everything, uh, but the fact that Sasha came in at the end, oh my god. I'll talk a lot more about it in the state of wrestling and how I felt, but uh, I haven't spoken to Charlotte, I don't think, since she came to the main roster, maybe right after she came to the main roster, but I wanted to talk to her about the Royal Rumble uh, WrestleMania possibilities. Uh, remember a month or two ago, uh, the storyline with her brother who passed away. Everything. So we got into it. Charlotte is 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 an amazing guest, um, and I'd like to share that with you right now. It's Charlotte here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. And now the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. Sam Roberts, you're on the line with WWE Divas Champion Charlotte. Charlotte, how are you? I'm good, Sam. How are you, sir? I'm good. I was. Uh, we were all very excitedly watching Royal Rumble last night. Um, how did you feel? Uh, have you watched it back at all? Do you watch things like that back? Oh, uh, I usually don't so quickly, but when I was waiting for Joe to call me, I caught a couple of um, moments from the match because they usually replay the show the night like, if there's a pay-per-view, they'll show it and catering. Uh-huh. So I saw parts of it. But, oh, we're just so hard on ourselves. It's hard to watch back. I wonder, like, if you watch back specifically the Sasha moment. Because, obviously, that's one of those things that, like, anybody excited about all three of you coming up to the main roster knows. Yeah. Everybody's kind of been waiting for it. Like, you guys have been kept completely apart for months. And for yeah. it to finally, like, pay off last night was pretty amazing. Yeah, we even had the BFF moment. I don't know how many people caught that. So. I caught it. I was like, oh, we're going way back. And then I was like, no, not yeah. that far back. 
Oh, you know, like oh, a year and a half, maybe. Yeah. Two years. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Where does the time go? How does it feel? I mean, you guys, you talked about, you know, when I, I talked to you like a year ago, I guess, because it was last year WrestleMania, and you were talking about main eventing pay-per-views, and you weren't even, you weren't on the main roster at all. Um, how does it feel now? I guess everything moves so quickly, but you've done so much in so little time on the main roster. Have you had any chance to, like, reflect at all over the last six months? Uh. T- to be honest, I really haven't digested it yet just because, like you said, it's just go, 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 go. But now thinking, I, I do remember, you know, specifically sitting with you guys and Katie. Yeah. Um, at Mania and just, you know, talking about NXT and we were starting those road trips and what it was like. And Sasha and I semi-made to venting San Jose. Mm-hmm. And it's... Honestly, it seems like five years ago. Right. Like really, just all this has happened in a year. I, I mean, to even think where NXT went to, you know, Bailey and Sasha, and then us all debuting. It's hard for me to even say, like, yeah, I'm WWE Divas Champion, because I just remember sitting in the back watching, you know, Paige and AJ and the Bellas last year. Yet, do you so, consider yourself, like, in your, psychologically or in your heart or however you want to phrase it, like, obviously, a year ago, it was clear you're an NXT performer. Like, that's who you are. That's how you identify yourself. Um, do you consider yourself... Like, does it does it feel like you're a main roster performer? It doesn't... I, uh, I, I say I feel more that way now than when I debuted, but I still feel like NXT just because I was NXT homegrown. Right. But it's, it's weird. It's like I walk in the locker room and, you know, you'll see... You know, Natty, Bree, and Nikki, and, you know, I obviously was in NXT with Paige, but I'm like, I am up here with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, does that make sense? Like, all together? It's different because for so long you sit at home watching them, and you, you know, you go to school each and every day, and then when you have, you know, a school session and you watch back Raw, and you see them, and it's all of a sudden you're there. It's, I still don't think I grasp that I'm here. And I with, grasp that, you know, I'm in that position. And without, like, I mean, nothing's been announced, of course, but theoretically, right, based on the way Royal Rumble went for you, this idea that the Charlotte-Sasha-WrestleMania match could happen is not, based on timing, terribly far-fetched. No. It's amazing. I I know. It, I, I, it's, I get goosebumps just thinking about it, because just thinking about, you know, being a part of First of all, WrestleMania as main roster talent. Yeah. You know, this will be my first time, you know, even being considered to be able to be on the card. And then to think that, you know, that is a possibility. And, you know, we started together. We were just generic baby faces and then the BFS. And then look where we are now. It's just the evolution of the two of us. And to think that, you know, we may have been the first time in NXT and, you know, it, it could be a huge single mania. I've, yeah, it just makes you want to work that much harder. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> speaking of speaking of where you're at now, like we were, we've talked before about how you feel about you know the Flair name, and when you first came in, you wanted to make sure it wasn't really about your dad at all or your family or anything. It was about you as a performer. Um, and as you've gone through on the main roster, things have changed a lot. Like you know, you're you're. 
you're a bad guy now. Your uh, your dad's coming to the ring with you uh, every night. Like I, for instance, as a fan, especially because you had established so much on your own, the first time, and I think I tweeted about it, the first time I saw you take the flare bump where you did the two steps and fell flat on your face, I like freaked out. I stood up. I was yelling. Um, how do you feel about now kind of going more into taking over the flair uh, uh, legacy and, and picking up on things that your dad did? To be honest, personally, I, I, I did have a hard time when I debuted um, because, you know, they were all three of us, you know, kind of on baby faces. And uh, when I really, uh, you know, started to, you know, become my own in NXT was, you know, after my natty match and I was a heel. That's mm-hmm. when I felt most comfortable. Um, so I I do feel, you know, if I'm a carry on my dad's name. Right. Uh, the player legacy, it, it's easier to adapt, you know, the cheating and uh, his, sort of his mannerisms, I guess. Yeah, totally. His style is just, it, it comes more naturally as a heel than, you know, trying to push the player name as a baby face, but um, it, it's obviously a mixed blessing. But uh, it is an interesting, you know, duo. You know, me and my dad walk into the ring together all the time. It's got to be nauseating. So well, it must. It, it it's got to work. Yeah. In that aspect. I saw you had this great moment because it's like so much of it is. Like, there, there's not, especially with your dad, There's it doesn't seem like there's a lot of where the character ends and the guy begins. Like, you had this moment where you're trying to, as a character, rein him in a little bit. But then it, it feels like you're also doing that as a person. Um, like, like, when you were, you were, I think you were leaving the ring at the last Madison Square Garden house show, and I saw you, because he's over there in the corner by himself just strutting and dancing and doing his thing for the crowd, and you're going, Dad, we're going. <laughs> it's over. Yeah, that's real. <laughs> that's real. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's, it's like, my dad is Ric Flair. Like, yeah. off camera, on camera. Uh-huh. Um, For me, I think it also, too, like, takes my nerves away. Cause I, like, even last night, walking to the ring, I'm like, I'm in, I'm in a singles on the Royal Rumble. Yeah. Facing my best friend, you know nervous and then we come out and my dad's trying to dance on my entrance and I'm like thinking what are you doing this is my entrance brother <laughs> like keep it together here it is funny and watching him make, like, like he'll do the laugh. he'll just woo he, at ringside for no reason and then the crowd will woo back and he'll have this look on his face like yep the kids still got it they're here to see me and you're calling dad you're here no to I know I'll be in the middle of the match and I'll be like why are they wooing like, <laughs> why are they wooing <laughs> But, um, I, I, look, but for instance, me and Becky's story that we are, that's go, that has been going on and having my dad there helping me, you know, win against, you know, this girl that has it, but you know, there's these two people that keep it in her way and I feel entitled. It does make for a good story. Yeah. But, you know, there is definitely, uh, it's a mixed blessing walking out with my dad and do you, the, the pressure and I mean, just all of it. Yeah. And do you have that moment where you're like, at some point, do you go to somebody and say, look, you know, I can only be the good guy that we're excited to see because I'm coming from NXT for so long. Like, I, we need to do something else. Or does somebody come to you and say, look, here's here's what we want to do and have to sell you on the idea of bringing your dad well, in? Well, 
personally, personally, because the only reason I went babyface in NXT was because we started the Sasha feud. Right. If people really remember. And then I dropped the title, and then I was just kind of, you know, the fans, and this is how I look at it. I don't know how anyone else looks at it. But the fans in NXT grew to respect me. They didn't love me. People loved Bailey. People loved Right. Me. You know, Charlotte's character was respected. You know, she had proved, you know, that she was a genetically superior dominant athlete. So they respected me. It wasn't necessarily that they could relate. Right. So right. then when I debuted, I'm like, how the hell am I supposed to say I'm genetically superior and relate? <laughs> right. Yes, I'm blonde. <laughs> yes, I smile. But to me, I saw it a different way, and I think they saw it as the father-daughter relationship was endearing to the fans. They can relate to that. They can relate to someone being emotional about their family. Right. And I get that. I do. But at the same time, she has it all. Like, there's no under... I mean, you know what I mean? I do. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, so I'm sitting here like, trying the best I could as a baby face to relate to everybody, you know, just relate to me. Like I'm, you know, I am a gifted athlete, but you know, I, I'm a, this character that also, you know, wants to protect, you know, my partner Becky from Paige. And then, and then that all got, I, I was, I was hard and I was just like, I don't see how the fans are relating to me. Right. And I said, let me do, let I'm stronger as a heel. And you know what? If you're going to pair me with my dad, which they did, mm-hmm. I said, I'm going to be over the top because they're going to, to me, seeing this girl with her dad and they have everything and they walk around having every, you know, my dad's a baby face. He's a legend. Uh, yeah. That doesn't make me a baby face. Right. I don't care. They're father and daughter and they can relate to it, but. No, I'm going to be as over the top as possible, and I want people to hate me. So was the was the when a couple months ago when they when it was pretty controversial when they brought up your brother passing as part of the storyline with Paige, was that yeah. kind of the, a last ditch effort to bring this familial relatability struggle heat. thing? I, yeah, I think they needed heat because I mean, in my eyes, I look at Paige looking at her as a fan, not as talent, I'm like, yeah, she's freaking cool. She's mm-hmm. a badass. Right. You know, I can relate to her. She, she's, you know, one of us. And I knew, that, I mean, that. I think, you know, the, the Reed storyline came with because they needed heat and they, they needed to get me some kind of sympathy. Were you I su- mean, just if you turn on the TV, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm bigger than everybody. Right. From the, I mean, just no audio. Right. My smile, maybe some people find that endearing. I don't know. <laughs> I, you know what I'm saying? Totally, totally. Yeah. And, and you're all muscle, and you're obviously in, in you know better shape than half the dudes on the roster. So it's like, there's no yeah. doubt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you are coming from an advantage. So that was, and, and were you surprised at the amount of backlash that that storyline had? Like, the, the people were almost like. Honestly, I was because. Okay, because I already get it. Mm-hmm. Like before the storyline, I you know, people think that you know, being a generation kid, you know, everything's handed to you. But honestly, it's that much harder because you're. I mean, could I have walked in, walked on set, and been whoever I wanted to be? Right. Right. No. Absolutely not. 
No. And then, you know, people knowing about Reed's death, knowing, you know, that the story behind him, though, you know, it, knowing, you know, my dad's public, uh, his private life has been in the media for years. So I, I'd already gotten backlash from social media anyway, you know, saying negative things about my brother or my father. And it's like, I think just the general public wants to be able to say their two cents anyway. Right. They, they you know, it's like, that's the person that's popular. We're not going to like this because we want to be in charge. Right. Or how dare they use that? And like, for me, people ever really like, how did Charlotte or how did Ashley feel as a person? And it's like, well, I deal with his death every single day. Right. So to me, it, it was like, whoa, wait, like all these people talk about him anyways. And because he got brought up, like, why are they making it such I don't know. Yeah, and it, I, it, I, I, it I was surprised. Yeah, and it, it's weird to hear wrestling fans. Like, it, it always kind of bugs me when wrestling fans decide, well, that crosses the line. And you're like, it's it's, it's wrestling. Like, what do you mean it crosses, crosses the line? Like, it's up to the performers and, and, and everyone else. Any great storyline came from a little bit of realism. Right. Just whether it's – I mean, I'm not saying it was – it was good. It was bad. I don't know anymore just because, like, once it was hashed and then getting the backlash, it was hard. I'm like, why is it, like, am I a bad person? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, how is this making me look? And then they're making it look like I – it was just not – but you know what? People were talking. People talked a lot. It definitely got a lot of attention. And there you go. Yeah. And unless you're in my shoes or the companies or whoever, it is what it is. Right, right. If you, going forward, so if you have the option now, and and this is probably a a tough, loaded question that you can't answer, but if they come to you and they say, okay, Charlotte, we're trying to put together WrestleMania, do you want to do a singles match with Becky or do you want to do a singles match with Sasha? Which, do you have a preference? Honestly, I, 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 okay, so... Obviously, the four horsewomen. I had no, no background, right? Mm, right. So I learned from those three women. So I have a different connection to each one because it's like, okay, when I'm in the ring with Becky, she taught me this, so I learned this style. When I was with Sasha, I learned this. When I was with Bailey, I learned this. So I kind of adapt to my opponent. Right. So I can't say, you know who or what story or you know I can't pick because it's just each is so different right and either way it's like you're crying after that match so (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, either way (laughs) like and so I I can't I I really don't want to say you know who I I I can't right right well I, I, I I you know Maybe it's uh, a triple threat. I don't know. Yeah. I. Either way, I mean, I will. I mean, I will say. I mean, I made a venture with Sasha before we started this, so you know. That's kind of the poetic story to go to. Yeah. Yeah, that's the story to go to. Yeah. Like that's what we did. That's what we do. (laughs) That's what her and I are known for. So that the evolution of it, and to have that. I see the most history and it making sense 
to be me and her. Did you think you'd be at the top of the food chain this quick after your no. debut? You did not. No, not no. Not just because of you know it's it's a different ball game up here. Yeah. Completely different. Yeah, I mean we talk about that all funny? the time. Sam at the top of the food chain, but yeah. I still feel so new. I don't want to be like Pam at the top of the food chain. You know, like I still feel like I have so much to freaking pr- prove. Yeah. Well, or do. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and that's a good thing, you know, that, that means you're not, there's that much more to do than, than good, like, do it all, yeah. right? Yeah. Cool. Well, Charlotte, thank you for, uh, for, for chatting for a little bit. Um, oh, no, for sure, Sam. Thank you. Yeah, and I'm sure, uh, I'm sure I'll see you out there at WrestleMania again. Yeah, for sure. Looking forward to it. Awesome. Thanks, Charlotte. Yeah, Charlotte will, be at, Charlotte will be at WrestleMania. Hopefully, you can buy some tickets, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Here is Sam Roberts. So that was Charlotte. Uh, I really like talking to Charlotte. You, I, I feel like you get a lot out of her, and it's really her. You know, I, I feel like you know sometimes you talk to these guys, and you don't really get the whole package. But with Charlotte, I, I feel like I'm talking to the person, and she's very honest and forthcoming, and. Uh, very, very interesting. And that's what I felt. That is how I felt about the angle involving her brother. A lot of people were offended, disgusted, thought it was inappropriate. But, I mean, wrestling, nothing's off limits. And if the performer is willing to bring their family into it, especially when it's such a public family, more power to you. You know what I mean? I do hope, by the way, that it is a Sasha Banks-Charlotte match at WrestleMania uh, and not a triple threat, not anything else. Why don't we get into that? Let me start the state of wrestling. Uh, there will be, by the way, go to notsim.com soon. New T-shirts are coming, uh, a whole bunch of new stuff that I'm very, very excited to share with you. I think you guys are going to love it. So stay tuned for that. We're doing it all in-house, premium quality, screen printed, the whole deal. It's going to be amazing. Uh, but let's get into the state of wrestling this week. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. Okay, state of wrestling time, and I'm going to bring Andrew Goldstein in in a few minutes to give some insight on how he felt about the Royal Rumble uh, match as a whole. But let's talk about where wrestling's at right now. I mean, it's in, to me, I feel like a very, very good place. Why not start with Charlotte, since Charlotte was our guest on the podcast this week. I really hope, and I know I said before, by the way, how great was it watching the Royal Rumble and seeing everything I said happen, happen. Huh? I was wrong about AJ. And I mean, you know, I didn't, I said I wouldn't bring in AJ Styles at the Royal Rumble. You know, I probably still maybe wouldn't, but I don't think it was a mistake. Like, I don't want to say it was a mistake. It's just not something I probably would have done. But guess what? I don't have a wrestling company. I have a podcast. So, you know, as long as the people in charge of WWE aren't telling me how to run my podcast, I probably won't tell them they did the wrong thing. But I just feel like I probably wouldn't have. However, it can't be understated what a major impact he had on that match. I'm not going to tell you that I wasn't jumping up and down when his music hit. You know, it was unfortunate that you didn't get the phenomenal one reveal on the big screen. But I got to tell you, I was very, very excited to see AJ Styles. And it's amazing how they're marketing this guy. But I'll talk about that more when Andrew Goldstein comes in. Um, I'd like to talk about the women. Uh, I wondered previously when the Sasha Banks-Charlotte confrontation would finally happen. It's obvious to me 
that they've been keeping Sasha and Charlotte away from each other ever since the NXT Divas came up to the main roster. And I think that's smart. Uh, But it is so great to see that they have not ignored the fan response that Sasha Banks has gotten. They took Sasha Banks. Obviously, she's not in Team Bad anymore because she's got a brand new Titan Tron. She's wearing pink and yellow, not black and silver. She comes out as her own separate entity because Sasha Banks is a major, major star. I said a year ago that Sasha Banks was my favorite wrestler, and sometimes things don't change. Sasha Banks is is just a huge asset to this or any wrestling company, uh, but specifically WWE, because with that WWE package or, or, or machine behind her, I feel like she's going to be unstoppable. That said, I, I can't overstate how fond I am of both Charlotte and Becky as well. Um, I was really happy with the build to the Charlotte-Becky match at the Royal Rumble. I was really happy with the amount of importance that it got. Uh, I will uh, say this. I hope at WrestleMania that it is a singles match. It is tough to imagine because they really don't do a lot of singles matches in general, specifically Divas matches anymore at WrestleMania. But I really hope, because that's the money match, to tell you the truth. Charlotte didn't want to say it earlier on the podcast, but I think that that's the obvious money match. Sasha, Charlotte, Divas Championship on the line, WrestleMania 32. I think it's the way you have to go. It may not be the way they go, but I think it's the way they have to go. Um, I, I, I think that, that, that that'll be one of the stronger matches, to tell you the truth. On the whole show. I wonder what's going to happen with New Day as we head into WrestleMania. Because I, another thing that I can't overstate. I can't tell you how strongly I felt New Day performed mano-a-mano with The Rock. Now, I don't think it's going to be the New Day and The Rock at WrestleMania. I think that was just a, a cute segment that they felt they had for Raw this week. It's not dissimilar to the segment they did between New Day and Chris Jericho. Uh, But New Day was so good. And the fact that New Day can go out there, not show an ounce of intimidation, and still be just as New Day as New Day always is around somebody who's got a presence like The Rock. You know, that New Day can come out and still command the amount of attention that they do. And quite honestly, they they were funnier than The Rock. They were funnier than The Rock. I laughed out loud. When Big E was demand, you can't say penis on TV. He can't say penis on TV. He can't say penis on TV. Don't say that. So funny, so funny. Um, I, yeah, I, I was just as much as it's tough to be impressed by New Day anymore because they're consistently so good. I was super, super impressed with what was going on with New Day. I'm excited about Fastlane. I was surprised to tell you the truth when I watched Raw. I said to myself, "It's clearly." going to be Dean Ambrose and Roman Reigns one-on-one. They're going to have the two brothers, as they say, fight it out at Fastlane. And it's like now Roman has to fight his friend. But the fact that they added Brock Lesnar into the match surprised me and surprised me and pleasantly surprised me. Uh, I think that that's going to be good. You know, having Brock Lesnar on a pay-per-view is never a bad thing. But um, it adds an element of I don't know what's going to happen to it. Whereas if it were Dean Ambrose and Roman Reigns, Clearly, you'd be in a situation where Roman Reigns wins. Now, I still think it's obvious that Roman Reigns does win, but, you know, 
How is the question. The answer is Bray Wyatt interferes and you set up Roman, Hunter, Bray, Brock in the same match. But, you know, it'll still be a fun ride to watch, I think. Um, Here's what I want to talk about. TNA puts out this tweet this week, right before, or I guess the end of last week. And they say that AJ Styles, Carl Anderson, and Luke Gallows had all entered into a contract with TNA. TNA said that they had an agreement with all three of those guys. And then they said that after Christmas, they decided not to honor them. And that AJ's lawyer, who I guess represents all three of them, called up TNA and said, we don't want any part of this deal anymore. And I have to ask, why on earth would TNA go public with that? Is that something where they're trying to make Gallows, Anderson, and Styles come off as bad guys? Because guess what? It's not going to happen. They're part of the WWE machine now. You know how excited people are going to be to see Gallows and Anderson? You know how excited people were to see Styles on Raw and on in the Royal Rumble? It's like this fantasy world. It's completely surreal watching Styles in a WWE ring. AJ Styles in a WWE ring is not... All that dissimilar to Ric Flair in a WWE ring in 1992 and 1991. Like, we never thought this would happen. This is the other guy's guy. This is the one guy who's the other guy's guy. And he can still go. You know, it's not like Sting coming in and doing one or two matches. It's like, no, 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 he's having a run here now. AJ, I guess, has signed multiple years. But I don't know why TNA would decide to make it public that they had an agreement with these three guys, and these three guys decided not only to not go with TNA, but to go back on their agreement. That makes me feel like, okay, clearly WWE is the biggest show in town. And while that's true and there's no getting around it, I don't know why TNA would go out of their way to highlight that. I don't think that putting out that message does anything good for TNA. Very, very strange. All it does is get me excited to watch all three of those guys debut in WWE. Like, oh, it's really happening. Why else would they turn down TNA? I don't believe it. It's really happening. They got me pumped for the competition's product, which is bizarro world to me. I don't understand that at all. Uh, I had heard rumors, but I was surprised that Austin Aries popped up in NXT. I would assume that Austin Aries is going to fill the same type of position that Samoa Joe does over there, meaning I don't foresee Austin Aries or Samoa Joe coming to the main roster. Um, And I also wonder about what their policy is going to be about guys using their wrestling names. Like, yes, there is something to cash in on an Austin Aries and a Samoa Joe and an AJ Styles, but I wonder how far they're going to go with that. I think with AJ, there was no getting around it. I mean, I guess they could have gotten around it, but they decided not to. With Samoa Joe and Austin Aries, I feel like they've kept their names because they're going to stay at NXT. But still, it's it's a very interesting way that things have changed. Things are changing. I mean, you saw in the Austin Aries-Jericho—I mean, not the, the AJ Styles-Jericho match. AJ Styles was being AJ Styles. And that hasn't been the case historically in WWE. It's the same thing I was saying last week or the week before. But then now on SmackDown, Mauro Ronaldo who's doing a great job, is really the first play-by-play man in a long time to go out there and do his own thing. 
That hasn't been done in a very long time. You know, he is fitting the mold of WWE, but he's absolutely doing his own thing, which I think is so, so strong. And at this moment, a good thing for the company. I just wonder how far they'll go with it. I think it'll be interesting to see. I think it'll be very, very interesting to see. All right, let me talk about the Royal Rumble match. And for that, I want to go to a whole separate segment. I want to talk to Andrew Goldstein um, and get his analysis of what happened at the Royal Rumble. Uh, Let's bring in Andrew Goldstein. Andrew Goldstein is here for the first time. Hey, now. What's up, man? How are you doing? How you doing? Now, Andrew, you... When did you work for WWE Creative? Uh, I, uh, from early summer 06 uh-huh. uh, till about right before this time of year, I got, I got uh, S-canned. Is that right? Right before uh, the road to the Royal Rumble. Oh. So I missed all the good stuff. I missed Rumble 07 and, and Mania 07. So you didn't get to actually be there for a Royal Rumble. No, it was a big bummer. Yeah, because that's what I always wonder about. That's like the I read good stuff. Uh, Jimmy Corderas, the referee, yeah. wrote a whole article about kind of the booking that goes into one of those matches. Because ever since I was a little kid and started, well, I'm not a little little kid, but ever since I was young enough to kind of piece together that a lot is going into the storytelling here. I always wondered, like, okay, but how did they do the Look, Rumble? Hey, man, I'm still. I mean, I'm. Had a cup of coffee inside fucking Oz and and everything, but uh, I still watch a battle royal, let alone the Royal Rumble, and wonder how do they know right who when, goes over when and, they, wh- and what if it messes. You know, Austin just told a great story on uh, on uh, Jim Ross's podcast about messing up in his first Rumble because I guess he he got thrown over and the rope was slippery and he was supposed to hold on and get back in uh-huh. but he fell out and then, <laughs> and then the guys in the ring had to like on the spot figure out how to get to the destination that they were going to get to with Austin without Austin wow so like in my head i don't know how you do that yeah cuz like, you watch some of those spots and there were a lot of them this year at the rumble yeah where guys uh go over the top rope and almost hit the floor yeah like ziggler was doing a ton of them triple h did a few of them hunter did and he wrestles once or twice a year yes. so that dude's mad rusty right and so, so the fact, and especially since he's the one who's winning, like all it takes is one slip, a slippery rope, like Austin said. I know, said, and then Ambrose and is your winner, and you're right. like, wait a second. We, now we have to figure out how to deal with Ambrose yeah. as the world heavyweight Our, champion. It's even worse when, like, you know, or it must be worse when a guy like, you know, like last year, all the legends they threw in there, like Diamond Dallas Page right. comes in. Like, there's no way that, of course that guy might mess up something. Right, He hasn't right. wrestled in like eight years. And he's got that adrenaline going like, they're yeah. all looking at DDP again. And he's wearing really tight jeans. Oh, you yeah. know, all kinds of things can go wrong. Oh, so. yeah. Oh, but yeah. even a regular Battle Royal throws me off. Like, I don't know how, when do they, how do they know when to like lay, lay back? Right, right. Lay because out. Even, yeah, because it's like, even if they're going to call it in the ring, like I'd be in the ring like, I'm not getting eliminated. <laughs> like, yeah. you know? Just dead weight in right. the corner. Just sit there like, no, no, I'm staying until the end. Yeah. Uh, so, But, you... yeah, I missed all that fun stuff, sadly. I got to be at, like, Unforgiven's and... Unforgiven's yeah. a good show. Unforgiven <laughs> and uh, I don't even remember the other ones. Were you... Did you have any... When you hear people uh, criticizing WWE creative, are you more sensitive to that because you understand the scope of it? Yeah. I Look, I'm as critical as... Probably anybody in this sort of wrestling pundit game, mm-hmm. but when I see fans on Twitter and you know talk on radio and whatever, people talking about oh, the creative, the creative, the creative, 
I always remind them that create the creative team is made up of dudes just like you and me, mm-hmm. super fans mm-hmm. for the most part. And the ideas that get tossed out, whether in private or at the table with Vince, are all these ideas that you guys are putting out on Twitter. They're there. They're there. Uh-huh. They're on the table. It's just that the filter is – I always just say you got to remember the filter is a 72-year-old man or however old Vince is. I mean it's – The final filter. It's the same story before people are critical with commentary, right? Like there's somebody – Yeah. In the earbud of the per- like, you know, like, like yeah. it's not just the, yeah. a guy at the table making his own decisions. And like, one of the best things about being on creative are those car rides where you get to talk to the senior guys, like the Ed Koskis, who have been there for like tw- almost. He's got to have been there almost twenty years now, fifteen maybe, and listen to like the almost was stories. Mm-hmm. The uh, this almost got through. We, you know, what we almost did with the, you know, like they had, yeah. They, when that dude gets out, I mean, I don't think Gewertz will ever talk, but when that when when a dude like Ed Koski leaves that company and starts doing these kind of shows, Ugh. it's going. I mean, that dude's a storyteller. I mean, he's got one about bringing China back, and it was just, <laughs> you know these things like blow your mind as a fan. You're like, why did that happen? It would have been. And he's got, and they have like six weeks planned out of like the most amazing story you've ever heard. And then it's like, wow, well, we're not doing that. But for any number of reasons, Vince and Stephanie and whatever team was in place at the time, they don't do it. And it's not always their fault. I will give them – there are injuries. There are um, all kinds of marketing issues around why you can't do X, Y, and Z, especially like with China and her porno past and that kind of thing. But that said, I always try to remind people those ideas do get thrown out and even better ideas than the ones that, that – people sort of fantasy book online so you managed to maintain your fandom were you a, even after you got fired were you a fan immediately or did you have to take a break yeah i uh you know it's funny i uh definitely take a break it's like whenever you get fired from a job or let go it's really hard to sort of especially in media it's hard because it's hard to to digest that mm-hmm. content right away right you take a little bit of time off but i remember the first thing i sort of i was in a restaurant Oddly enough, it was like a sushi restaurant, and they or a yeah sushi restaurant, and then SmackDown was no volume on the TV, and I saw the Mexicals debut <laughs> on the tractor trailers, uh, and I just saw the Chiron that said Mexicals, and I was just like, oh man, <laughs> holy crap! And then I was like, all right, I'm, you the know, Mexicals brought you back in. The Mexicals brought me back in. I was just like, wow, that's amazing. They figured out something to do with these guys, and it's really racist. Yeah, really racist. Like they are on riding mowers. Like you're like, oh, there must be some kind of uh, uh, little tip of the hat, or there's got to be something that makes this yeah. not racist. Oh, there isn't? Yeah. Oh, it's just Mexican no, guys on riding. It's on the nose racism. <laughs> yeah. This is great. Oh, okay. No, but what's cool is like once I did get back in and could sort of stomach it and then you realize there's this whole – I mean I was at – right when I got fired in 07, like right around 08, 09 is when this whole IWC internet yes. wrestling community thing, like all these opportunities came available to me because I had seen behind the curtain. In terms of like – Posting places, writing places. Blah, yeah, blah, blah. like at the time, David Lagana was really the only person doing wrestling podcasts. And I remember he David Lagana's podcast. Creative, yeah, uh, which was a name that I came up with. I'm not going to take credit, but, but he literally just that did. That was my. Uh, that that was my. I mean, uh, you name. just but anyway, took credit. He he was the first guy I can remember doing a uh, wrestling podcast, and they were, and that's before he got hired at TNA, right? And he had left WWE, so. 
and then he would have me on, and then I was just like, whoa, this is super cool. And now it's like, I mean, this week I'm doing five, you five know, wrestling podcasts, five wrestling podcasts and radio shows, and it's just like this this fun little community that we're all part of, right? That yeah. I I hold near and dear. Well, and yeah, and it ranges the spectrum. I like doing it because it's like I can just talk. Like I'm not overly critical of it because I just like wrestling. Yeah, and it's like, and you find it there. There's all different varieties of it. I'm sure for somebody like you who does a ton of podcasts, like you find people they're like, oh, it sucked, blah blah blah. And you find people that are just excited. Oh my god! To talk yeah. about pro wrestling, like I mean, Aubrey Sitterson is like the—he's oh. the most positive wrestling fan I've ever met. And I yeah. love doing his show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do you have anything specifically that you're most proud of that you are responsible for? Yeah, uh, I, I was heavily involved with guys like uh, MVP and Kennedy, uh, and at the time, if you remember, they had this sort of like unlikely. Um, pairing mm-hmm. uh friendship because mm-hmm. uh, they were sort of both heels but both kind of like why would they ever be friends but they kind of like put their differences aside and did stuff together so i worked a lot with those two and and i got to write uh i got to write a really cool promo for kennedy that he cut right on the road to wrestling undertaker mm-hmm. which uh you can look it up on youtube uh and he did it word for word and it was all about like i'm not afraid of the, your parlor tricks Blah blah blah. That's I'm not cool. like everybody else. And uh, you know, Vince gave it like Vince. I think through like word of mouth said it was the best promo that he had ever cut. So that was cool. That's awesome. And also with Kennedy, just randomly in a meeting, you know, at the time, uh, I think the U.S. title was on Benoit. Uh, may he rest in peace. And uh, it was like the Benoit Chavo, uh, Benoit Chavo. Yeah, it was Benoit and Chavo going back and forth, back and forth, and they wanted to get the title out of the story, not off of Benoit and put it on. Basically, Vince didn't want to put the U.S. title on Chavo, is mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say. Gotcha. Uh, and so they were every, we were in a meeting, and we were trying to figure out how to get the title out of the story so they could trade wins. And I just sort of sheepishly raised my hand. I was like, uh, how about we put the title on Mr. Kennedy? And Vince was like, goddamn. <laughs> I think it's time for Ken. And let, lo and behold, like that, you know, that next week on SmackDown, Kennedy won the U.S. title. It was his first major singles title. And, it, and like, I mean, obviously it happened because of, like, the, the effort that that dude put into his career. And he's, like, the best. He's still a friend of mine. But it's cool for you to be a but part of that. But I was just like, dude, that just happened because yeah. I raised my hand <laughs> and had the, you know, finally had the balls to say something in a meeting. Yeah. Uh, and then how come you got fired? Uh it, any number, any number of reasons, but honestly, you know, midway through my tenure, um, uh, Alex Greenfield left the company. He was a big advocate of mine. He was the head writer of SmackDown when I was there. Uh, he left, and um, Heyman sort of wanted to take me under his wing, and he wasn't in very good standing with the company. He eventually left. So that was two big sort of people in my corner. And Michael Hayes took over SmackDown. He was not the biggest fan of me. Mm -hmm. Uh, More so, I think he just wanted his own people when he took over. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it it was just like a sort of confluence of events. But the real answer, and it took me... It really took me a bunch of years to to finally like stop being bitter about it and really take ownership of like why it didn't work out and uh 
I I just honestly got the job way too early. I just had I, ze- I had zero confidence in that shark infested water. I was like 25, 26 years old. How did you get the job? I always say like if I got the job now, I would crush it. Right. I have no I have no um doubt that I would crush it and have the confidence to walk up to guys like Kennedy and MVP and whoever else and really be able to like be be a productive producer. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to produce. I wrote on a couple TV shows, uh, just like writing jokes and stuff, and was thrown into like floor producing and segment producing. These like these these dudes. Like it just. I wasn't ready for it. Right. I was not ready. I got it way too early. Well, let's talk about what's going on now. Yeah. The Royal Rumble. The story of getting the job, by the way, yeah, not an interesting. Well, story. once you said uh, that you wrote on a couple TV shows, I figured that kind of answered it. Like you. Uh, you know, yeah. you were right. You were right. The story is, I applied through a website, like through entertainmentcareers.net, yeah. like years ago. Interviewed, didn't get it. Year later, saw it was open again. Hit the HR lady, was like, "Hey, is there any rule against reapplying?" She's like, "Nope, go ahead." Had another round of interviews, round of submissions. You know, everybody's heard what the submission is at this point, and uh, I got it. And they said they hired me because I had MTV experience, and they had just put Miz in the. Uh, in the role of running the diva search. Right. And so I was brought on to do the diva search. Gotcha. Because they wanted it to feel like MTV. Yes, because Miz, MTV, the whole thing, the diva search. So those were like the first few things that I did. And then, you know, I was also a part of the creative team. So then I got put on Team SmackDown and the rest is history. How did you feel going into this year's Royal Rumble? Were you optimistic? Were you feeling like, ah... Because, like, for instance... The the last few weeks of Raw, maybe not the last few weeks, but this in December, there were multiple Raws where it was like, ugh, you know what I mean? Nothing was really happening. Yes. Um, and they have done shows before, WrestleMania last year, where I think a lot of fans went in going, I have very low expectations for this show. I think it's going to be a disappointment. And they leave and they're like, I can't believe how great WrestleMania was. And you know what I mean? And yeah. it restores faith. And I think WWE, I've said it before, has the ability in a single night to just right all their wrongs. Yeah. Um, how did you feel? Point. How did you feel going into the rumble? You know, uh, I felt pretty good because there, even though I think any uh, a sort of astute fan could figure out that it was going to be some version of Triple H Roman Reigns mm-hmm. continuation of that storyline mm-hmm. at the end of the day, at the end of the match, mm-hmm. but I still think there were really intriguing undercurrents and storylines in that match. I mean, right. all the rumors and speculation about AJ Styles, all the rumors and speculation about Daniel Bryan, right. all the rumors and speculation about, um, you know, uh, maybe, you know, maybe it's Kevin Owens because they're going to go Kevin Owens and, and uh, Brock. Right. Brock's in the, you know, then so they maybe, Brock, And it could go to Brock. And then it could go to Brock. And then they, and then the last two. I mean, Brock, there were people literally saying, you know, John Cena heals very fast. John Cena I could know. be in the raw, and you're like, he literally had surgery people's, a week ago. I got a ton of. I took. I took a bunch of questions on Twitter, and a ton of people hit me like, "Do you think Seth Rollins?" Like, <laughs> I was like, "Dude, that dude tore up his MCL, ACL, and everything else." But no. And then the other, the other intriguing thing was uh, the last two Raws before the Royal Rumble was they, the Wyatts, like boom resurgence, right? And then you're just like. Maybe this is finally when they put the title on Bray. Right. And all of a sudden you see, because 
Kevin Owens Brock was still a possibility going into the Rumble, but now Bray Brock is also a possibility, and either of those two matches could be title matches, or maybe they're not title matches. Yeah. So you go in with all these possibilities. So I I was super excited going in, and I thought I have like the worst recollection of like what each past Rumble was and what each past you know, I'm like not the guy that can like call out, you know, unforgiven oh eight and tell sure. you what the main event was. But like I just feel I came out of watching Sunday, you know, on my way home from watching it, just like this was the best Royal Rumble in a very long time. A very time. long time. Do you I feel that, that way? Yes. I, I was saying I think you know, and it's 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 the sort of obvious, but ninety two is my favorite. Yeah. The Ric Flair one. But I was watching Royal Rumble ninety nine uh, on Saturday before, and that's the one that Vince McMahon won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that Royal Rumble had such amazing storytelling in it. I mean, it was a little predictable, but it had such amazing storytelling because— i got to go back and watch it. You got to, because all you have to do is watch the match, and you just see where everybody is. Because the same time you have the, the 30-man Rumble match going on, you've got Austin over here, and he's being taken off in an ambulance, but then he's going to drive back, and you've got The Undertaker coming out, and he's going to sacrifice Mabel, and the Acolytes are coming and dragging him. <laughs> I already and, love it. And Kane's being chased to the ring by medics who are trying to put him in a straitjacket. Right. And he, like, there's all these different storylines and stories that are playing out That's through cool. this match. 90 was... Uh, I. Uh, on an Instagram account that's like 80s wrestling, it just it, it makes me happy. If I scroll through Instagram and I see a picture of Duke the Dumpster Jersey, I get excited. Yeah. So I follow this this, this stupid account, and uh, they posted like a uh, you know the last like 20 seconds of rest, of Rumble 90, was that which was awesome. It's Hogan, Hogan and, and Ultimate Warrior. Warrior, yeah, which was so cool. Yeah. So um, yeah, yeah, and 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 I and I also I feel like the reason this Rumble was so good was just because. Everything was just timed perfectly to make it so you don't have because the last two rumbles I think were not were timed very poorly and it left the audience with the last half of the match. Yeah. It just I felt booing like it. I, I, I remember my criticism last year was everything felt very written. Right. In last year's Rumble. It felt like, okay, here comes this spot. Here comes this sort of, uh-huh. you know, uh, back and forth between these two guys. Here comes this Gaga spot. Here comes yeah. this legend. Yeah. This this was so fluid and clean. And I thought, um, I was like, man, you know it's a good Rumble when there isn't a one or two legend spots. Yes. Just for, you know, shits, for shits and, giggles and giggles to, yeah. make, to make people happy. And you don't even miss it. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't even realize that till I was on the train home. I was like, hey, you know what? They didn't throw a hacksaw Jim Duggan in there. Right. Because it was too jam-packed. It was too jam-packed with, like, meaningful people. My other big pet peeve about Rumbles in general are when they throw in, like, a random tag team. And you're like, I know Butch from the Bushwhackers is not going to win. <laughs> right. Like, why do you even throw them in there? It used to drive me crazy. And it was nice. I, I actually liked, like... Because I think at some point they had said all four social outcasts were going to be in the Rumble. Then they just had one of the four. Yeah. And I was like, perfect, because that way I don't need all four of those spots. The same with the League of Nations. I was just like, if you have four social – I mean, it's a big uh, uh, burgeoning faction era right now because you have the – I was like, four League of Nations, four social outcasts, the four Wyatts. Like, what are you going to do? Like, you're going to be left with no spots. So I think they were smart in like, okay, we'll pick – we'll cherry pick a couple from these, couple from these, couple from these, and leave the spots – but there was no Diamond Dallas Page. There was no like, right. which usually I look forward to. But I don't think I didn't miss it. it. I didn't miss it. The only thing I would have done differently this year in the Royal Rumble was 
I would have had like Bo Dallas. Like I would have had uh, uh, Curtis. You mean Bo Ryder? Bo Ryder. He was so good, by the way. I would have had uh, Bo Dallas. Like like Curtis Axel is getting ready to get in the ring, and then Bo Dallas just slides in and takes the spot. That way, Curtis Axel can still say he's never been eliminated. Can I give you my um, cynical former creative team member snarky um, criticism? Yeah. The logic of the League of Nations beatdown on Roman Reigns uh-huh. was so illogical in terms of they come down, they pull him out of the ring, they beat him down beyond, like, you know, he can't even walk. They put him through a table, etc. Right. And Vince is, is calling the shots. Why don't they roll him in the ring and then have somebody eliminate him? I... Why, why do they leave the door open? Like, <laughs> why do they leave? The, it's like one of those ninja movies where, like, you beat up eight of the nine guys and you leave. Well, the, I guess I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> but, like, they did the job and then they just walk away. I guess they figured, well, he's going to the hospital. So he's out. Yeah, well, he's you not see even that stupid stretcher in. come down. You're like, okay, I know where this is going. Right. So I thought that could have been a little. I was annoyed that some people, that not at the me. match, I was annoyed at the fans who were implying, because I read this. The implication was that Roman Reigns was taken out because uh, he couldn't last. Like his, he wanted, to, he needed to rest. His cardio wouldn't last the match. And oh, it's he like, needed the break. Do we need to really well, like I get that mad at Roman Reigns? Before the stretcher came down, I thought he was going to like. If you ever go to Raw or a pay per view live, there are the rest spots, and when you're sitting, we're lucky enough to sometimes sit ringside. Yeah, you kind of watch those rest spots, and the dudes are just laying there on the floor like. Hang, like, hanging out. Hanging out. They're, so, like, looking at the ceiling. So like, I thought, and, like, as a fan, you get to, like, yell at them and stuff. It's yeah. fun. But I thought Roman Reigns was just going to hang out there, and you kind of forget about him, and then he'll slide in at the end. But they did take him away and do the whole gimmick, and then he came back out. But just logically, if you're going to beat somebody to, like, make him to— Yeah, no, you're right, but I think— Disqualify him from the match. I think it's an all— finish the job. And you're right. That is a snarky, like— yeah, it's creative, a nitpicky, yeah. smarky thing. Because all's well that ends well, and that would have been much worse if he had won the match. But the fact that he didn't win the match means, like, well, whatever. Yeah, it's like, fine. Well, he still lost. Because ultimately, matter. you just remember who won, and this is the this is the rumble that Triple H won, and you, everybody can be mad. I think everybody's so busy being mad at Triple H winning that they don't remember that this, I, lo- this minor logic flaw in what happened to Roman Reigns. Yeah, and I think we also have to figure out, like, you, you know, you go, like, okay, well, how are we going to get over the fact that Daniel Bryan is not in this? This match. AJ Styles is coming out at number three. Yeah. Like, that's huge. Okay, well, AJ Styles is not going to win, so how are we going to get over that? We're going to have Owens eliminate him. Okay, yeah, but then everybody's going to love Owens. How do we get rid of that? Sammy well, we're going to have Sammy eliminate him, and it's like, yeah. it, it was bro- That chain of events yeah. was brilliant. And that, and look, I, I ripped him a little earlier, but I'll give him all the credit in the world. I mean, Michael Hayes is apparently the Royal Rumble, you know, Jedi. He's the guy that sort of puts all this together, and you could see the genius of a Michael Hayes in being able to mentally figure what that math out that you just that you just laid yeah. out. Yeah, because I didn't figure it out until I was watching it, and, I, and then I looked. It's a I, puzzle, it's man. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. And he learned it from Pat Patterson. Do you think – are people mad that Triple H won the Rumble, or is it Boo the Bad Guy mad? No, I'm, I, look, uh, it drives me crazy, this, like, narrative that tr- Triple H is this this – figure backstage who's like, I'm going to win the Rumble. Because that's, because that's the easy like way to turn. The Triple H is just sitting in front of all the guys yeah. going, so uh, we figure for the Rumble, I guess I'll win. Yeah. Uh, like that, I don't know, whatever everybody else wants to do. Uh, like, 
I mean, get over yourselves, guys. Like, get over it. Right. Get over it. The right. dude, how many good things is Triple H doing for all of us? He really is. Like, first of all, you can't cheer the fact that Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens and Dean Ambrose <laughs> and all these dudes are, like, your favorite what? guys. AJ Styles is on the main roster. Name, and using his name the, is AJ Styles. And doing the Styles Clash dude, and, like, teasing the Styles Clash. Not since WWE bought WCW have has a guy from another company showed up on WWE TV using his actual wrestling name. Like, like it's one thing to be like... They didn't name him BJ Miles. <laughs> right. It's one thing to say, uh, it's amazing what Triple H is doing because we can buy Samoa Joe and Austin Aries shirts from oh NXT. Oh, my God, I didn't even... Samoa Joe and Austin Aries. And Austin Aries. For, now on the main, main, main roster. And they're called by their actual name. AJ Styles. He's they like named that Fiji Ron. And AJ didn't come in and get and crushed. It was like, oh, AJ Styles is here. Yeah, it's like, Everybody take notice. Like any like angry wrestling fan listening to this that it's just like, oh, Triple H did it again. <laughs> like Just like he did with the Spirit Squad, which I was there for when he put them in the box and shipped them to Ohio Valley. Uh-huh. It's not it, – it's just not – I mean, like, it's it, it's a chapter in a story that exactly. is playing out and uh, – Because, I, I mean, the idea is that Triple H has the title for the sole purpose of one last-ditch effort to make Roman Reigns the guy. Yeah. Theoretically, right? And I, I thought his promo in Raw was fantastic. Triple H is not Vince's. I thought Vince and Stephanie's stuff was just like, what are you – why – you guys are – like what? I don't even understand what you're saying. But then Hunter came out and crystallized what the story His is, was which great. is I'm doing this because you don't have respect for this man, this family, this company. This is my religion. And me, this is my religion. Yeah. So, and that'll be on a T-shirt, I'm sure. Yeah. Soon, but uh, yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was pretty good. I, I, look, I, I can criticize certain things that Triple H does, but in this case, it's not like. First of all, he was forced. He's really forced. His hand has been forced because of the injuries. I don't think this was plan A ever. I no, I don't think plan so either. D E F. Yeah. And I don't think Vince McMahon being on TV was ever part no, of the plan. No, not at all. And it's not like anybody's being like, oh, Vince, he's putting himself back on TV. No. It's, you know what I mean? It's, uh, from all I hear, he doesn't want to be on TV. That's, I mean, I don't think the owner of the company, if he wanted to be on TV, would take himself off for a year and a half or whatever yeah. it was. Um, I don't mind Hunter having the title at all. I me mean, neither. him walking out with the suit buttoned, and he opens the jacket, and he's wearing the title and that shit-eating grin. Yeah. It was fantastic. Right, right. Was- and he did – and the thing is that, like, he's doing – he's, as a character, acknowledging what you're mad at. He's saying, he I'm the boss, and I took the yeah. title because if – it's mine now. I mean, this is the, a good example of trolling the fans. Yes. Of, like – Trolling the fans that actually believe that. Like, you're being worked. Right. You're being absolutely worked if you think that Triple H is like, well, yeah, like you said, like, well, I guess this year I'm bored. Right, right. Let's put the title on me. It's been a while since I got the glory. This guy's done more for people that, wrestlers that have zero shot five years ago of being on the roster than anybody in the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Very intriguing stuff. Yeah, I thought it, I, I think it's good, and it makes me very optimistic. I'd say the last two Raws heading into the Royal Rumble and then the Royal Rumble it makes me very optimistic for WrestleMania, which is a lot being that we're potentially dealing with a WrestleMania without a Cena, Rollins, yeah. uh, Cesaro, Orton, whoever. I don't know, Brian. Dude, like, Nikki Bella. Nikki Bella. It's, I mean, that's a big deal on the Diva side. It is. 
but the fact that they're building like a potential Charlotte Sasha match, yeah. I worry that it's going to end up being a triple threat. Well, that's been my critique of WrestleMania booking for the last decade, which is they want to get everybody a paycheck. Right. They want to get everybody a moment. So, like last year, I think there was one singles match on the whole damn card. And right. And it's just like, guys, come on. Right. Like, yeah. You, you don't need a six tag a, a six tag team, you know, gauntlet match. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I really. The Ascension doesn't need the WrestleMania <laughs> moment right now. Right. That's why. Make the Andre Battle Royal a 40 man battle yeah. royal. Everybody gets Go their moment. Go two rings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you Battle need to Bowl. Do. Um, for you WCW fans. Did you have any. Do you predict? Uh, I've, I've, I've started to a little bit. I used to be like completely, I don't fantasy book because. I was bad at it when I was with the company. I'm still bad at it. But one thing I predicted correctly was uh, right after the Rumble, I was just like, I mean, I got the logistics of it wrong, but I got the, the essence of it right, which was I, I was like, if I'm booking, I put I, I put AJ Styles on the highlight reel on Monday and set up Jericho Styles at Mania. Mm-hmm. Here we got it on Monday night, which was awesome. I would imagine though, that's happening at Mania. I would hope so. Based on the end, the, the handshake. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the, the old wrestler pull in right. handshake. I would hope so. And if they make that match a triple threat, fine. But the Jericho, so who would they add into that? I don't know. A lot of people are like, "Well, Kevin Owens eliminated him," but I was like, "Yeah, but Kevin Owens also had like a big time moment with Sami Zayn." That would be the thing. I would, yeah, I would hope. the The problem with booking WrestleMania too is there's only so much room for grudge matches. Right. So if you're gonna do Jericho and AJ Styles, and you're gonna do Bray and Brock, which is a grudge match, and you're going to have a taker match. Is there room for Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn if there isn't a title? Because you still have to have an Intercontinental match. You still have to have a U.S. title match. Do you think there's going to be an Undertaker match? Everybody seems to think so. I don't think you need it, but like... Who would you, who do you think you'd put in there with him? Well, it's tough. I, I think uh, I'm like contradicting myself, but I've always wanted to see Jericho Taker. Really, I think if I, if Jericho's the one guy with the gravitas enough to give him a good match, have a I think the storyline sort of writes guess, itself but, like, hey, I've achieved everything there is in this bu- business. I don't have much time left, but before I go, I want to wrestle the Undertaker. I want to wrestle you at WrestleMania. It's just, there, there, there is a story there. I just feel like at the end of the day, it's a few it, years late, and yeah, and it doesn't mean anything because both guys. Yeah, it's not like either one of those guys are going forward after well, it. Well, to that point, I mean, look, he already lost, so that pressure's off to give a young guy a shot. I but would. Who means enough? I mean, I would put Kevin Owens in the Undertaker match this year. Uh, initially, I said it's very obvious to me. It's John Cena Undertaker at WrestleMania. Yeah, that was like clear as day to me. And then Cena got hurt. I would imagine that this won't be the Undertaker's last WrestleMania. Yeah, Next look, year will be. I don't mind Owens Taker at. Because if anybody's got the balls to, like, talk shit to The Undertaker. Exactly. And Kevin Owens can lose to The Undertaker and still look okay. He's been do- he's been losing to everybody and looking great. I don't know how he does it. I call him CM Chunk. I think he's got—he <laughs> has the most of all the boxes checked Yeah. since CM Punk. Yeah. Yeah, he really is. He's, he's incredible. Um, yeah, but that, that's who I would put in. And then I would say The Undertaker's last match is—I think it would have been this year. But Cena got hurt. Yeah. And so I think it'll be next year against Cena. I like that. Look, it's on WWE. The onus is on WWE to make Sami Zayn mean enough to the mainstream fan. Mm -hmm. Because he's already... Right. Because they don't know who Sami Zayn is. They've seen him once against John Cena, 
and get injured and never be seen again. Yes. To the main people, I mean, I think the NXT rabid fans sometimes lose sight of the fact that like there's a couple thousand people in Orlando and a couple thousand people on the internet that know about what's going on here. Yeah. But the and main, the Royal Rumble was in Orlando. The kids who are going to Raw every week and watching Raw and dragging their parents don't know who Sami Zayn is. So right. I think the onus is on WWE to make Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens mean something with history packages and the whole thing to get that match to be able to happen at WrestleMania. I'll tell you the one thing that struck me about the Rumble was watching it. I would say the only thing I felt in the beginning, in the beginning of the match, after AJ came out, when it was like, it was Jericho and Kane and Goldust and a bunch of guys... At one point in the match, I said, I need a break from guys that wrestled in the 90s. Yeah. Like, I need to not see that. And if you paid attention to the crowd reaction, the crowd was not excited, not only for those guys, but, like, anyone who was really established, aside from, like, the newer crop, the Dean Ambroses, the Kevin Owens, they got excited for them. But, I mean, like, like you know, Ryback, like, guys like that that have been around for a little while yeah. now. The crowd, it wasn't like it was dead, but they just weren't very excited. It felt to me like the Royal Rumble was a very clear indication that the audience wants something different going forward. Yeah, yeah. And you know I what I mean? And wants a different set of dudes. That had to have been one of the selling points to Vince to be like, we got to bring this AJ guy in now. Yeah. Because the, our yeah. roster is thin. People want this kind of thing. Because we're so... We're so starved for surprises, like real surprises, yes. not Randy Orton comes, comes back from an injury type of surprise. Yes. A real surprise of a guy like AJ Styles, who was the face of TNA, yeah. showing up and, and actually doing something meaningful. And it's not going to cut it bringing in somebody else that's been here off and on for the last 15 years. Yeah. You know? I call those dudes like the Ryback class of developmental, mm-hmm. the, pre, the, you know, the pre-performance center developmental I feel guys. so bad for it's all those t- guys. That whole fraternity of guys, like Barrett, none of them are doing well. No, well, it's it's, it's everybody. It's it's Miz, Dolph, Barrett, Ryback, like that, that whole set, because those are the guys that came up as John Cena was yeah. sitting pretty. They're not fun and sexy anymore because right. you have these this new crop of indie, indie guys right. uh, from developmental, and they don't have the nostalgic flair of being from the 90s. Right. They're stuck in this nebulous middle middle world where they just, it's just, oh, it's Ryback and Ziggler. We've seen every incarnation of these guys winning and losing and heel and babyface right. and champion and right. non-champion. And, they, and that's, I've, I've gone for hours talking about this, but one of the things, like, if I were really given the, like, hey, you're the new COO of the company, mm-hmm. I would figure out a way to set up a traveling team for those type of guys and pick have like a an ensemble of 10 guys that are just not doing anything and mm-hmm. are just tired and and uh fan, getting zero reaction and send them all over to like all kinds of other companies like sign a deal with like six put them on indie shows put them on indie shows take them to Europe take, like all of a sudden Dolph Ziggler pops up on Ring of Honor yeah and, but they're under the WWE Right, umbrella. WWE's Dolph Ziggler. Now, the problem that people have said is, like, well, it's an insurance thing. You have to – I mean, the insurance risk of sending a guy to, like, the U, you know, having a traveling team, it's a big nightmare. But I think with WWE's resources, you could figure it out. It's and interesting. I think it would solve a lot of problems. If you took guys like 
Ryback, and all of a sudden Ryback's gone for eight months. Yeah. But he's gone because he's working and working on like new gimmick and like figuring out who he is as a right. wrestler. And then he comes back all confident because he just crushed it in Australia for six months. Yeah. Like how cool would that be? That's really interesting. Yeah, and and it's something the guys need. I think Miz will always be okay because he's just he's good at being obnoxious. Yeah. And he can always fill that role. But other than that, and the only other guy who I think made the smartest move possible is Zack Ryder, who's like, let me just go down to NXT and team with Mojo for a while. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because that, at least, is something well, I think that... more guys should do that. Yeah. More guys should should utilize the performance center and be like, you know what? Maybe I'll go down there, have some fun. Right. Figure something out. Like, what if Dolph went down to NXT for a year? Yeah, and had matches with Samoa Joe. Like, now that NXT is populated with some dudes that, like, aren't students... Mm-hmm. That like you could actually have some like meaningful dope matches with while teaching the younger guys like how to work and how to sell and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It'd be cool. There's a lot of things they they still could be doing, but I think they are doing a lot more than they used to be doing. Oh yeah, yeah. There's there's it's very evident. Where they were just cutting a check to Ohio Valley and that that was basically it. Yeah. Like now yeah. it's it's. We're in a good spot as wrestling fans, I think. I think so, too. And when I say it's very evident that the audience needs a change, I think that it's being acknowledged. And maybe for the first time in a while, it's it's being acknowledged. Like, let's not take for granted the fact that, like, the last two Royal Rumble matches kind of left a lot of the audience going, like, this company doesn't have a clue. Yeah. Like, you know, and it left the company scrambling to yeah. figure out how to put together a WrestleMania because everything got messed up. We're eating what they're feeding us now. You know yeah. what I mean? We're buying it. Like, we are. I think looking back like 20 years from now, I think we'll look back on the two Rumbles before this or the, the two WrestleMania seasons before this as the like the the what could have been Daniel Bryan era. The, yeah. Because the last two WrestleManias had him winning major titles and then the next night having to relinquish them right. because of injuries or like a few maybe a week or two later. Right. And it's it's a shame, but that's sort of. A little pocket where, like, ah, oh, man, like, and you un- do have to acknowledge that unfulfilled, you know. Yeah, Daniel Bryan. I mean, that's a real tragedy of Daniel Bryan as we speak now. Daniel Bryan's uh, career. You have to look at it as it's ultimately tragic. Yeah, and all you can do is look at WrestleMania 30 as a moment in time, yeah. just a singular moment, a night. Put the DVD in, and you can't think about the before or after. Yeah, because that moment is perfect. Exactly. It's as perfect and as I any moment he in wrestling. Can can do that. I hope he isn't, you know, he isn't like burdened by what could have been right, right, for the rest of his life. I really, I hope he can like relish in like I was the guy at WrestleMania 30 standing on the turnbuckle I mean, with the confetti pouring down. He on me. still says if WWE doesn't let him yeah. wrestle, he's still gonna wrestle. Yeah. So who knows what he'll do, dude? There's something in the water with the Bellas because you got Nikki injured. Yeah. You got Daniel Bryan injured. You got Cena, Cena injured. injured. <laughs> It's just Brie. Brie's the only one left. Brie <laughs> She's She's holding on to the mantle for all of yeah. us. For all of us. Well, Andrew Goldstein, I appreciate you uh, dropping some wisdom on us. Can I ask one question before you, you wrap me up? Yeah. What's your, where are you, what's the main event at WrestleMania for you? I, Roman Hunter. It's, you, I, I think it's Roman with Rock in his corner. Hunter with Vince in his corner. I think that's very possible because I don't see, I don't think The Rock's wrestling. Yeah, exactly. Well, that, so I think that would think make perfect sense. I think plan A sense. is Brock Rock. They can't do it because of Rock's insurance and yeah. Baywatch and et cetera, et cetera, all those rumors. And but that'll I, be great because it'll be great to hear 
promos between The Rock and Vince McMahon again. I think when that poster comes out, it's going to be Hunter and Roman with Vince and Rock also on the poster. The four biggest mainstream names that are healthy and still active on the roster, on that poster, in that match, to get that mainstream ESPN, you know, Entertainment Tonight. Because people know who Vince is. People know who The Rock is, certainly. And people are starting to know Roman is and people and most people know Triple H is. So I think that confluence of those four guys in the main event can work. Yeah, it's just a matter of doing due diligence over the next month and a half or so to get Roman to the right place. Because yeah. he can get to the right place. He was at the right place, for again, for a moment in time. Yeah. When he won the title, everybody went nuts. Yeah, like they he, had it. They finally got him back. And yeah. Now it's, and they I lost mean, it again a little. The problem is they have 18 hours of TV a week. Yes. So yes. you you burn through six months of story in two weeks. <laughs> right, right. It's, it's upsetting. It's like soap operas. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I think that'd be great. I would definitely add The Rock and Vince McMahon into those corners. Or even, uh, I mean, it'll probably be the Mc- Stephanie and Vince. Because, again, I think Plan A again was supposed to be Hunter and Steph versus Ronda and The Rock. You know, yes. and The Rock or... And then, obviously, Rock, maybe that was plan B with Rock and Brock being plan A to sell out AT&T. So I think you're, you're sort of down to right. that match. Which that, I think still that's works. That's what I think happens. And, and then that, you go Bray Brock and definitely Bray Brock, then the yeah. rest of the stuff. I like Taker Owens. That's, I, think I Taker haven't thought Owens, of that. I think that's a very good idea. I think, I think it'd be really, really good. And I think it would be—Owens uh, would probably lose, which I'm okay with. But I think it would be Owens' moment to kind it's of— It's how you lose. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Andrew Goldstein, thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, for being here. And where can people fun. where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, at Ange Gold, A-N-G-E-G-O-L-D. If you tweet me about wrestling, I most likely will write you back. Uh, at Ange Gold and at Goldstein Andrew on Instagram. And Sam, dude, it, long time coming. I'm psyched that we got to do this. Well, yeah, let's do it again. Yeah. Yeah. You can always come back as a, a guest analysis. Analysis. Analysis or anal- analyzer. Analyzer. There it is. That's my gimmick. I'm the analyzer. And we will see you next week here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Hey now. Dude, that's fun. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Follow at MilkSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer. Blending the smooth, creamy nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. Look for it where Guinness is sold. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York.